We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This episode is brought to you by Decoy Wines of Sonoma, California. As you gather with family and friends this summer, experience the best of wine country with Decoy by Duckhorn. Winemaker Tyson Wolf spends every vintage focused on harvesting grapes and crafting wines from the finest vineyards. Whether it's our flagship Cabernet or crisp and refreshing Rosé, Decoy has just the wine for your discerning taste. Ask for us at your local wine shop or visit decoywines.com slash celebrate to locate our wines near you. Whether you're firing up the grill, hosting an alfresco get-together, or enjoying the warm summer nights, let Decoy by Duckhorn elevate your occasion. Listening to the Road of His Radio Weekly Recap, where I, your host, Kyle Dvorak, find me on Twitter at FFKyleTheKid, take you on a tour through the last week in Road of His Radio podcasting, featuring clips from some of the best podcasts we have here over on the Road of His Radio. If you don't know what Road of His is, it is a sports data and analytics site with over a thousand articles per year and dozens of apps geared towards you taking home those fantasy championships and DFS tournaments. If you want to subscribe, you can do so for a 30% discount exclusively on the Rotoviz Radio podcast channel. That is rotoviz.com forward slash podcast for your 30% discount to all those great tools and articles that will help you win in fantasy. Our first clip of the week comes to you courtesy of the Rotoviz College Football Fantasy Show. This clip has Stephen Laco and Matt Wispy talking about who currently deserves to get in either Michigan or Oklahoma. Have a listen. Getting into this week, I mean, we are we're getting close to, I mean, closer and closer to to the playoff and one of those questions that I was thinking about is I was thinking about I mean we're going to talk a lot about Oklahoma in a minute when we get into the to their game over the weekend because that was such an exciting game um it was the best game of the weekend yeah but you look at a team like Oklahoma and you look at a team like Michigan and everyone has Michigan penciled in at number four and probably rightfully so but I mean it's a probably I mean they, they both have a loss 
and they both have been winning games, but very differently. So it just kind of raised this question in my mind for you. What what criteria would you use to, to rank teams? And, and what do you think about the current way that, that the system is set up? It's sort of an interesting system in the fact that, I mean, you really are kind of splitting hairs when you get to team get like in that three, four, five, six range. If they're all one loss teams, it's really hard to really separate them. And you have to look at things like, well, how what type of wins do they have on their schedule? Like Oklahoma's schedule, if they if they manage to run through this all is gonna just be littered with these win after win after win after win. But then you like run off the field by a Texas team and I mean, we we were both watching that game. That final scoreline where they only lost um, by three points a little feels like a lie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they've got wins over. I mean, they've. I mean, they're Iowa State, Texas Tech, uh, Oklahoma State, and if they get through the schedule, they'll have uh, West Virginia as well. Um, and I mean, it, separating them from like a Michigan is going to be well. Well, Michigan's only loss is this, and that's it's kind of weird that you have to use these kind of differentiating arguments and saying that like one of them, their resume is built on all of these wins and the other one's built on, well, they only have this loss. Um, and that's where I'm really bad at ranking. Like I think when I tend to do this ranking, I kind of fall back on like, well, the AP has them here. So I know that they're not going to rank them way out of whack with that number. So it's not like I, I have these like really hard and fast rules I don't like things like bad losses to unranked teams, which is why I kind of agree that Ohio State continues to be at the bottom of the pack of these real contenders. But I kind of think that, like, I, I don't know. It is it is hard to say. Like, it's really hard to separate these top teams because there are these variations. And I think just even the fact that playing a tough schedule should get some, some type of reward. But even then, I like, I have Michigan there right now mostly as my fourth team because I think – I think they're the, their defense is superior to any other single unit of the competitive teams. And, I, and I'm saying, yes, it is better than Oklahoma's offense. Okay, yeah, that was going to be my question. Now, if Oklahoma's offense, in your opinion, of course, if you thought Oklahoma's offense was better than Michigan's defense, would that be enough to, to, swing, to swing those two around for you? Or would you still put more into Michigan because their loss was to the currently ranked number three team in the country? I... I actually think that if Oklahoma gets to their schedule, they're going to have a pretty strong case because Michigan's, unfortunately, then this is the other issue with ranking is Michigan's schedule is depreciating every week, whereas Oklahoma's is probably going to get better and better. Um, And the fact that they're going to play West Virginia twice late is very strongly going to help them because West Virginia, I mean, at worst, they're probably going to have technically two top 15 wins if they manage to get by West Virginia twice and Iowa State is just going to get better it's the Big Ten is sort of cannibalized itself and I think that's the only reason why Oklahoma could eventually get the uh, the push even though I would say single unit better is probably Michigan because I just think that that one unit's the best in the country college football playoff season is approaching whenever you start seeing potential 8 and 16 man brackets posted on twitter that is how you know it is about time to get excited for college football it's also how you know teams are going to get left out that's your first chance to realize hey uh, maybe we actually should go to one of these 8 or 16 man brackets 
But until that happens, stay tuned to the Road of His College Football Show to stay up to date on all of your college football news. The next clip comes to you courtesy of the Fantasy Football Beat. This week, Mike Randall is talking to Ryan Tracy of the Locked on Chiefs podcast about the upcoming barn burner between the Chiefs and Rams, discussing a few topics, including what Sammy Watkins does for this Chiefs offense. Have a listen. Watkins does add an interesting dimension to that offense. If we go back to the October 28th game against the the Broncos, Watkins had that big game, 107 yards receiving. Talk about his importance. I mean, when he's on the field, I just think that it's it's impossible to cover all these offensive options. It it really is impossible, and it's pick your poison at that point. And the Broncos are very familiar because of how often they play this team. And so they realize taking away Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey are probably your top two options. But the interesting thing about what Watkins has been able to do is that he's not as one-dimensional as you've seen him used in, in years past. He's really running uh, a much more complete route tree in opposite of Tyree Kill. And that balance is, is what works for both of them. And I think when teams consciously try to take away Tyree Kill uh, and, and keep a spy on Kelsey, it just leaves that, that other option open so much so that Sammy can get behind you with his speed. Uh, he can certainly play the high ball. And really my favorite part is when he uses his body to good effect, uh, using that bigger body, running slants, running pivot routes. We saw him score uh, against those Broncos in a really nice route where he's he's got the nuance coming on to his game where he can settle down into his own, draw a defender to him, and accelerate away. And that's really, I think, the difference that we're seeing in the number two receiver this season versus seasons past. I think a big key on defense here for the Chiefs is, of course, going to be against the run. They are allowing the most fantasy points to opposing running backs this year. And, of course, you're you're facing pretty much the best in the NFL in in Todd Gurley. What do you think the defense plan is going to be here with Bob Sutton? Because the Chiefs are going to score in this game. You know, Rams, Wade Phillips has a solid defense there. But especially against the pass with some injuries in their secondary, I, I can't see a way that the Rams are going to hold this offense down. So how are the Chiefs going to address the Gurley situation? I think that's really a key here. If they can somehow contain him, that's a huge advantage for them on Monday night. It is. And I think Bob Sutton's a little bit of uh, a guy that likes to stay within his his zone. I don't think that he's going to make enormous adjustments. He is going to try to get his players, particularly the interior defensive linemen and the linebackers, to play more disciplined, uh, to take on physical blocks better to get those splits. Uh, they have a couple of nose tackles that I think can, can do the job in Xavier Williams, as well as Derek Nottie, another rookie, uh, who can take on doubles and, and occupy those guys, leaving the linebackers to do their job. The Chiefs so far this season in run defense, a lot of it has been uh, basic fundamentals of maintaining gap integrity uh, and, and queuing quickly enough. There's, there's a lot of mental juggling going on on this defense. So what I would like to see them do uh, you take a cue from the Seahawks last week and try to cover up those three interior offensive linemen and, and at least get into the B-gaps uh, with a nose as well and try to take away that inside run. I think what they are going to do uh, is really just settle down and allow Todd Gurley to get yardage, uh, try to contain him from making, breaking big chunk plays, uh, and really try to corral him in the pass game. This team is definitely more worried about the pass and is, is apt to let you run on them without thinking that it's going to be something that they can't uh, come back with because of the offensive firepower. I 
Chiefs trying to limit Todd Gurley specifically in the passing game as opposed to the rushing game is true because I believe that would be the smart thing to do. If you look over at the road of his screener and you give me that fantasy points over expectation works as a proxy for something like EPA. Given that, it's not a perfect system, but I think it works closely because you are getting touchdowns and yards baked into your fantasy points. Looking at rushing fantasy points over expectation, Todd Gurley, seventh in the league, playing particularly well at 0.19 fantasy points over expectation per attempt. Then you look at his receiving fantasy points over expectation per attempt, 0.4, fourth in the league. That is over double the added value you're getting on a Todd Gurley target as opposed to a Todd Gurley rush, and that's just obviously inherent in his passing game work because passing game, as we know, is just generally more valuable, and I think that shows in the fantasy points over expectation. So should the Chiefs want to do the smart thing, I think they would be doing exactly that by limiting his passing game and letting him run also because if you saw it stop the run, you're giving up more in the passing game, and that is just inherently a worse value move. If you're listening to this right now, that means you love the shows here on Rotoviz, and I hope you'd want to support them. If you want to support them, you can do so at patreon.com forward slash rotavizradio. Subbing to the Patreon gives you access to exclusive content like the Rotoviz live shows every Sunday morning, gets you those last start sit, those last DFS tips, as well as giving you access to an awesome community of the hosts and the listeners of all the shows here at Rotoviz. Again, that's patreon.com forward slash rotavizradio. This next clip comes to you courtesy of On The Daily, their week 11 breakdown of tournament lineups. That is Matt Jones, Anthony Amico, and Matt Lamarck coming at you. Here it is. All right, Jones, let's talk tournaments. Uh, we've kind of covered every range of the salary scale at this point. Who, who's like your, basically, just give me your one or two favorite guys that we haven't already discussed. Um, I think there was, there's been a definite, um, sort of effort to get Larry Fitzgerald the ball too. He's had 22 targets over the past two games. Um, so I think if you're making a bunch of lineups and you have some lineups that don't have DJ, I think Fitz makes some sense, uh, to mix him in as well. Cause they're obviously trying to get him the ball a bit, um, I don't know, like, is, like, people are going to be playing Amari Cooper, right? Like, what, what? Like, what are we doing with that? <laughs> I'm I'm playing him. I like him. 18 targets the last two weeks. I don't know, it just, it just doesn't feel good. Like, it's just not, it's not like an excited click, you know? Listen, if they were all exciting clicks, we'd never win. <laughs> Fair. But I, you know uh, what I mean, though? No, it's just I, get what you're, I get what you're saying. It's like, damn, it's like, I know I have to do it, probably. But I don't know, like he's he's cash, I guess. But like I could see just like fading him in tournaments and hoping. Sure. Yeah. Sure. That like he has that like Amari Cooper disappearing act sort of thing. I mean, listen, I don't know. he's not he's not scoring like he's not scoring a lot and he's not creating a lot of big plays. Like a lot of that's probably has to do with the offense that he's in now. So like yeah, I mean at fifty four hundred or whatever it is, like is he gonna completely bury you this week? Probably not in like a tournament setting. But I do like his volume. Like I, I think that he's a guy that like a lot of the models might miss just because yeah. like you know, the sample size on him is, is fairly small for the new new digs. Yeah. The the only other guys I'm really like sort of excited about like i mentioned luck so i'm definitely going to be stacking him with hilton um and i don't know like maybe a a dart throw of like 
I don't know. I keep playing Willie Sneed, so I probably will have to again this week. Just out there. All right. I mean, I kind of like the Denver receivers. Uh, yeah. We really haven't seen like a huge price bump for either Sanders or Sutton. I mean, Sutton's up to mid fours now, but like it still feels like it could be underpriced if they're down to the Chargers and throwing. Um, you know, and Sanders has kind of always been good. So, uh, I think those are two guys to look at, but yeah, I mean, for the most part, I'm playing the guys that we discussed. Uh, I'm not looking to go terribly off the board this week other than, you know, the six or eight guys that I think I really like. I don't think that you have to this week. That's fair. All right. Tight end was an abomination last week. I, uh, I played the goat, John New Smith, and I was rewarded with a touchdown at min price. But for the most part, if you played like a touchdown with a name that like your neighbor would know, you did not do well. Right. Um, but this week we do have Zach Ertz at 6,600. He's coming off a monster, monster game. I mean, do you have any interest here? Yes. <laughs> like I just, I'm just kind of over like not paying for the tight end. Like, if it's Ertz or it's Kelsey, I just think I'm going to have to figure out a way to get there. Like, I don't know. He's, what, 6,600, right? So, yeah. you figure that's like the like Alshon Jeffrey, Emmanuel Sanders range in wide receivers. Like, just go down a little bit in wide receivers and pay for Zach Ertz. As we near the end of the season, I'm starting to realize that my Dynasty teams, it is time to either make that push or trade for picks and ship it all in, call it a year, all my hard-earned players go to other teams, and they go on to have successful careers winning Dynasty championships, and what better way to celebrate than Russell Clay jumping on the road of his mailbag show with Jeremy Hart. This clip features some buy lows on Dynasty players. Here's the clip. Dynasty, it's week 11, and trade deadlines for me are approaching. Can you give me a few buy-low options I should be targeting that have Dynasty appeal to a team that is out of contention this season? If you can get A.J. Green right now, I think owners are really vulnerable. Um, Even if you're a rebuilding team, if you can snag him and get two good years out of him, he's going to be cheap right now because contenders don't want him. And young teams don't want him, but he's still good. He's in this weird purgatory of like his his dynasty ADP is is slowly slipping every year and especially every month at this point. And people are starting to get like, am I, you know, is this asset declining on me? And I, I think it's a great time to grab him for next year uh, if you can. Um, a super duper deep one that you wouldn't even have to pay for right now is Adam Shaheen. I saw he's um, practicing in in at least a limited capacity. He was their second round pick last year. Um, they do like Trey Burton, and I think he's still going to continue um, on you know his his little role there. But in Matt Nagy's offense, if I can get a piece that they're invested in, I. I'm impressed with that team this year. I did not expect this at all. Yeah, yeah, nice, nicely done there. I, I definitely like that take there. And, I mean, you know, really, any of these young cats that you like that are just coming off of, of down weeks right now, but they're stuck on contending teams, 
you can usually pry those guys away from team, you know, contenders that are just using them for bench yep. depth right now. You know, the Cortland Suttons of the world. You know, even somebody who's going to be long lost an afterthought right now, like Nelson Aguilar. Like, get him before this high total game coming up this weekend. You know, I mean, Tate's there now to spread everything out. It's not a 2018 play, but I mean, Alshon. You know, he's going to have only so much left in him, and I, you know. It, just target those guys in good offenses. We kind of alluded to it earlier, right? And just, you know, hang on to those guys because it's it's going to swing around. It's going to swing around. And, and one other guy I'll say that I've been probably a little irrationally high on since, since he came out is Curtis Samuel. Yes, um, yes! And, and he, <laughs> both. for what I... For what I look for in a prospect, I mean, he pretty much had everything before that combine, and then he ran a 4 3 1. Um, so I love his profile, and I guess I can dive into that a little bit. Um, at Ohio State, so if you look at his receiving yards and sort of his receiving production, it's really bad for a receiver prospect. It's actually like embarrassingly bad. Yeah. Like it's probably one of the worst of this decade. Um, for a guy who was drafted high. But if you look at it from a yards from scrimmage perspective, which is what you need to do for a guy like him, I mean, he had 800 rushing yards in his final season. He was a true, you know, Percy Harvin-ish uh, threat for Ohio State. Um, and with Cam Newton, with DJ Moore, with that offense, and, and with the plays that he's shown this year, uh, there's gonna be open lanes, and with that dude, if he can, he's gonna get open space. Um, do I think he's a high-end wide receiver of the future? Maybe not, but I do envision him being fantasy relevant. To add a little bit of context to Curtis Samuel and why I would agree with Russell that he is a good dynasty buy low, his freshman year at Ohio State, 2014. He was worked in as a backup running back to Ezekiel Elliott. Understandably, Ezekiel Elliott, a phenomenal player, dominated this team's workload from the backfield. Curtis Samuel doesn't get much run. His second year, understanding that Ezekiel Elliott would continue to dominate this backfield, they started working him in more as a receiver, doubling his reception total from the previous year and cutting out two-thirds of his attempts. His final year, they had four-star recruit Mike Weber, and although he did see an increase in rush attempts, almost had 100 rush attempts on the year, he was used just as much as a receiver, getting 74 receptions. He was a player who throughout college didn't quite have a position being stuck behind talents like Mike Weber and Ezekiel Elliott, but they found ways to get him on the field because he truly is that special of a player. And I think Carolina knows this as well. While they don't necessarily see him as a primary receiver, having Devin Funches and DJ Moore, they're still getting him on the field and getting him receptions, as well as getting him carries because they have Christian McCaffrey and Cam Newton. He has still scored two rushing touchdowns. He won't be an every week starter for your fantasy team, like Russell said, but he is certainly worth buying low. If you're packing it in for the year, that will bring us to a close, everyone. Thank you for tuning in. Make sure you can go to rotaviz.com forward slash podcast for your 30% discount, as well as patreon.com forward slash rotaviz radio to support the show. Thanks for listening.
It's the sale you've been waiting for. Now through Monday, get a huge 50% off the styles you need now with 50% off all jeans, 50% off all dresses, and 50% off all tees. That's right, 50% off. Jeans start at 15 bucks for adults, 10 bucks for kids. Want fashion in a flash? Buy online and pick up in-store for free. Hurry, the sale ends Monday at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 829 to 9-2 excludes in-store clearance, jumpsuits, rompers, bubbles, active license, and men's package tees. Fall is in the air at Airport Home Appliance's Labor Day storewide sale. Come in today and upgrade your kitchen for less with up to 40% off appliances, up to 60% off brand new mattresses and exclusive rebates not found at the big box stores. Plus, get up to 18-month special financing and free delivery on select items. Shop early and save big all month long with incredible deals starting now at Airport Home Appliance. Unbeatable price, selection, and people. Now open on Broadway Street in Redwood City.